Hello, everyone, and welcome to Friend Diagram. This is the podcast where two friends catch up and find common ground between their favorite media. I'm Remy. I'm Kat. And today we will be doing an update on HBO's adaptation of The Last of Us, originally discussed in our top five most anticipated releases for 2023 in episode 30. Warning, spoilers ahead. Hey Kat, I think you have some news for us. I have news. Sorry, what's my news? Oh, <laughs> fuck. <laughs> Sorry, I missed the segue. Oh, man. Leaving that in. That's fine. Um, Yes, I do have news, Remy. So for this summer, Remy and I will each be picking a movie for a couple of different themes. And each month we will be having a double feature movie club. And our first theme is the summer horror category summer mm-hmm. horror category um, <laughs> just a clean take of that um and my pick for this category will be jordan peele's us which was released in 2019 my pick is the 1975 classic jaws Woo! the best summer horror <laughs> And so basically, we'll be making a post about this on Instagram and giving everyone the chance to watch both of these movies during the month of May. And then for the last week or the last episode that we'll release in May, we will do a head-to-head style episode. So you guys should watch both of these films. Let us know what you think of them. What are your favorite parts? What are your favorite summer horror films? And um, we'll give you shout-outs on the episode and read your emails. Email us your thoughts at frienddiagrampod at gmail.com. And we're really excited to interact with you guys and hear your thoughts. Yeah, it's going to be fun. We're going to be doing double features for each of the summer months. And each month we'll have a different theme. And it's going to be a fun time. Everyone loves a double feature. Yeah. And it's just it just makes me think of like going to the drive-in and me too <laughs> seeing double features in like the back of my mom's minivan. Oh, what great what, summer memories! What's your favorite drive-in double feature that you ever saw? Hmm, <sighs> I'm trying to think back. I know mine because I only went once, so okay. it has to be that double feature. <laughs> it was. was Finding Nemo, followed by Pirates of the Caribbean. Oh, God, that's so good. (laughs) An ocean double feature. Yeah, I'm having a hard time remembering really what I saw at the drive-in. It was mostly just to be outside (laughs) and watch movies with friends, but I usually fell asleep. Um, What? I'm a sleepy person. And Mm. I do my best to stay awake late at night while watching movies, but sometimes I'm not successful. But it was more about, like, being in the grass and watching the screen. I think I saw... You were in the grass, you say? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, we would, like... We would put the, like, back hatch of the minivan up and then set Mm. our chairs underneath. And then Mm. we would play cards, like, card games while we waited for the movie to start. 
Um, and then either we would end up sitting in the back of the minivan or just like in lawn chairs and stuff. But Hmm. it makes me think of drive-ins and it also makes me think of our COVID movie club. Oh yeah. Friday night movie club. That was so fun. In your backyard. Yeah. In the grass. Mm -hmm. I just like connecting with the grass. (laughs) But yeah. So join us. Watch some good films. You don't have to watch both of them. We will watch both of them for each month. So it's a good chance for us to revisit and actually be able to hear the audio of Jaws. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I'm excited for you to actually watch it this time. (laughs) I was watching it. I just didn't understand anything the first time. But yeah, it'll be really fun. So I'm excited about that. And I mean, summer is approaching and... I am really excited about it. Do you have big summer activities that you like to do? Big summer activities. Hmm. God, I don't have any in this current living situation. Mm. It's really limited summer activities in the city in terms of like what I consider summer activities, which Mm -hmm. would be like a really long hike or like a bonfire Mm -hmm. or stuff like that. Can't really get up to a lot of that. Yeah, in the I city. feel like it's probably illegal to just do a bonfire. Definitely. Um, I don't know. <laughs> just lots of sweating. Mm, mm-hmm. Catfish There's Cove. A lot of that. Catfish Cove. Look at the catfish in Catfish Cove. That's nice. Um, God, I don't know. Yeah, I feel like my options are limited here, but. If you guys know any, let me know. Yeah. Good uh, city summertime activities. Um, I am going to a roller rink this Sunday. Are you? <laughs> yeah. Um, with one of my grad school friends. So mm-hmm. I'm going to try to not break my body. I bought my own skates on an impulse and decided that this was the way to go about it. So the nice thing about going to a roller rink is that there's carpeted areas where you can practice. And so I feel like that will decrease the likelihood that I'm going to absolutely like get myself a concussion. Yeah. I feel like that is good at practicing ground. You can't go super fast on a carpet. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I just like have this mental picture of me learning how to roller skate real good and then mm-hmm. moving to the East Coast, and there's like a big park right by where we live. And then I could go roller skating in the park. And that Do would it. be great. So I just yeah. have to fucking remember how to balance on some skates. And I used yeah. to be so good at roller skating. It used to be like my favorite gym class activity. You had roller skates in gym class? Yeah. It was like my favorite time of year was when we got to do- sounds like a recipe for disaster. It was great. They let us do bow and arrow though. So I feel like- (laughs) They gave you weapons? They gave you weapons? In high school. This was like elementary school where we got Mm. to do roller skating. It was my favorite like week of gym class. And it was the only week I actually did anything because I was very anti-gym class as a child. We had like scooter scooters you would sit down on. They weren't mm-hmm. like razor scooter. They were like just a flat square yeah. with wheels. Mm-hmm. And you like held your hands very close to the wheels uh-huh. on the ground. 
And you just scooted around on that and, like, ran over your fingers a bunch. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's as close as we got to roller skates. Oh, my God. It was so fun. I don't know how it worked because no one really got hurt or fell down or anything. Mm-hmm. I don't know. We were just at that miraculous age where we just knew how to roller skate. So I'm just hoping not to absolutely mess up my tailbone again this time. So Yeah, I spent a lot of time in the arcade at the roller rink ah. as a kid. Getting tickets, <laughs> cashing them out for some like sticky frogs. I love <laughs> sticky frogs. Yeah. Hell yeah. What was your game of choice in the arcade? Mm, that one where there's um, a circle of lights that goes around and you have to anticipate where it will start. I was so good at that one. That was What's my that favorite called? game. I don't know. <laughs> it's got a name. You know what it is. I will find People it. People out there, you know what I mean. The stop it on the thing game. I think it's storm or weather related. Oh. I, I like ski ball. I'll always go for a ski ball. I'll never turn down a ski ball. That's a good time. Stuff like that. Mm. Then you get your sticky frog. <laughs> Fun prizes. Was it called Cyclone? Ooh, that sounds right. I think that's right. Mm-hmm. That sounds right to me. Ah, uh, that was so Thanks satisfying. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Good luck with your roller skating. If you don't like it, just go win some sticky frog. Okay, yeah. I don't know if there will be an arcade there. It's like Uh, a very small town roller rink, but it seemed less likely to um, have creepy people that want to murder me than the one in the big city. Um, So I was like, cool. So we're going to go. I'm excited about it. Hopefully I don't die. Yeah. And worst case scenario, if I break my arm, I can just go get some Amish sweet treats in the touristy town so you'll be fine i think it'll be good i don't know how to segue into our topic for the day but today we're gonna be doing our update on the last of us which was the hbo adaptation of um the 2013 video game yeah and we both were really looking forward to this adaptation Mm -hmm. coming into 2023 and you finally finished it, so we felt like this would be a good time to like give our final thoughts on it, just uh-huh. so that we could, you know, close that thought since we had so much anticipation and brought it up in our top five most anticipated, and we've brought it up like week to week as well mm-hmm. when there were like really standout episodes. So we thought it would just like bring a good sense of closure if we just did a. Nice little update, kind of recap our thoughts on the whole first season and give some highlights and just discuss what we loved about it. Yeah. Yeah, so for those of you that don't know, uh, The Last of Us series on HBO is an adaptation of the video game, as Kat already said, and we just completed the first season, which chronicled the events of the first game. And those events largely followed the activities of Joel and Ellie as um, Joel worked toward completing his task of transporting Ellie basically across the country amidst a um, post-apocalyptic landscape 20 years after a fungus-based 
pandemic has decimated the world's population and left society in tatters. And that apocalypse has brought out some of the more survivor-oriented features of Joel and his personality, and you get to see those on display in different ways. But as he gains more familiarity with Ellie, he also kind of taps back into his latent paternal humanitarian nature that he had uh, as a father in his pre-pandemic life. And you get to explore both sides of that coin as he makes decisions to try to keep himself and Ellie safe as they encounter all kinds of different groups of people and survivors and communities along this journey to go try to take Ellie somewhere to hopefully find a cure for this fungal infection. Mm -hmm. Would you add anything else to that general synopsis, Kat? No, I think that was great. Um, Yeah, so I think we were just going to go back and forth. We could probably open with our general impressions, but then I was thinking we could go back and forth about our like highlights Mm -hmm. of aspects we really liked or episodes we really liked or things that really stood out to us from season one of Last of Us and just take it from there. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's great. Um, I'll kick us off with my general impression. Um, Yeah. Like this was your number one anticipated, my number two anticipated. Yeah. Did it live up to the hype for you? Yeah. I mean, I... I really enjoyed it. I did fall off the wagon for a minute after episode three traumatized me deeply. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I like pushed through and watched the rest of the episodes. And like, I just think it was a really faithful adaptation of the game. And the areas that they changed were only improvements to the initial story. So I can speak more about that later. But in general, I thought it was a stellar adaptation. And I hope that as we go forward, this only models really, really good adaptations of video games that could be really great series. Like, I think Control would be so cool oh, adapted. Hell yeah. Like, come on, let's, let's do it. But Definitely. I think that this is the first really, really good video game adaptation that there is and i hope that it's not just a one-off where people don't want to put in the work to create future adaptations that will be really really good and really accessible to a more general audience yeah and i think it's not just about putting in the work i think the creators of the show including craig mazin they put in a lot of thought Mm -hmm. and They put in a lot of thought about how to take the plot that existed in the game and flesh out the world around it in order to build not just more contextual information, but a sense of enhanced dramatic stakes. Mm -hmm. Um, That kind of leads into my first highlight, which is that I think if I had to choose like my favorite moments of this season... I would pick the cold opens from the first and second episode, Mm -hmm. which didn't exist in the game. They were inventions for the series, but I thought they were so tonally perfect 
in setting these stakes and the the dire tone and the kind of dreadful tone of what was coming mm-hmm. when this cordyceps do you call it a virus what do you call it exactly um i think they call it a virus yeah, right i think they call it a virus in the yeah. show or like as the cordyceps infection was about to break loose these cold opens give you some insight the first one is like a brief clip of a talk show set in mm-hmm. like the 60s or 70s where an expert is pontificating about the potential for a spore slash fungus based pandemic mm-hmm. um i just absolutely loved how they did that and how they told you everything you needed to know even if you knew nothing about The Last of Us going in. Mm-hmm. And just had like a really foreboding air about it. And the cold open to the second episode where some like military personnel are trying to track down a fungus expert mm-hmm. and get her opinion on a person that has been infected with cordyceps in their leg and seeing her reaction to that jump to humans and telling them that they need to essentially like completely bomb the city for matters of containment really brought the gravity mm-hmm. of what this must have felt like in the fictional world where all of this was taking place. And I just loved how they built out those ideas and built out those extra details. Mm -hmm. It just gave everything so much more gravity, in my opinion, because when you're jumping 20 years ahead of time into the pandemic, it can feel really um, disjointed or separate. Mm -hmm. And grounding the beginning of those events in a plausible scenario made it hit that much harder, if that makes sense. So I really liked that they showed you like, wow, this is what it would look like right now if this was happening. And um, just let that sink in before we jump you like 20 years into the future. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that dovetails perfectly with one of my points that I really liked about the adaptation is that there are expansions not only in the information that you're getting from those cold opens, but in terms of the communities that you interact with in the game, there's so much expansion of our understanding of the motivations and characters within those communities. For example, when we are interacting with Henry and um, Mm -hmm. his brother. In Kansas City. In Kansas City, yeah. There's a lot more going on there. There's like a reason for this like infighting between the groups. And there's a whole other plot that you don't get in the video game. And one of my major qualms when we were playing the video game was like, people just start shooting at you and you're like, why can't we just have a conversation? Why can't we be reasonable? But -hmm. if there's already infighting going on and people are just assuming that you're from the other side, it makes so much Mm -hmm. more sense that people are just going to shoot first, ask questions later. And I really enjoyed that. And I just really enjoyed 
their fleshing out of those communities and um, just like the structure of those communities. For example, when you're interacting with David and David's group in the game, you really only see David and his cronies kind of more like a gang. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas in the show, David's like the leader of this community and you get to actually understand the community a little bit better. Definitely. Um, but in the game, it feels more of like a, a small gang. And I just thought that they executed that really well. I was, I could see a world in which they didn't execute that well. And it like took away from the like faithfulness to the game. But I honestly feel like those only added to the experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I completely agree. I think that's an excellent point where they build it out motivational context Mm -hmm. which really helped things hang together better Mm -hmm. and while I think they really excelled at adding in those like extrapolations of detail they didn't ignore the fact that they knew fans would really be looking for some core Mm -hmm. sequences um, that they wanted to be maintained from the game so for me that was that like opening sequence in Austin where they're fleeing the city. Mm-hmm. I loved the mm-hmm. way they recaptured that aspect of the game. Um, because you, you can't control anything during that time in the game other yeah. than like the viewing plane. So it, it's basically oh, like a cutscene, but I thought they did an excellent job of recreating the high tension and the, um, just like the adrenaline feeling of trying to escape and beat the clock and get out in time and get past all of these new obstacles and make decisions about helping people or not helping people and like planes falling out of the sky. Yeah. All of these incredible things that stuck with me from that opening sequence in the game, they absolutely delivered on. Um, so things like that, things like the giraffe, oh, which the was giraffe like one scene. of the only things I remembered, like mm-hmm. the planes falling out of the sky and the giraffes were two things I absolutely remembered from watching the game 10 years ago. Yeah. And they kept that. They knew the things that people like really, what like stuck in people's minds and like what. And they recreated had emotional it. valence. Yeah. And yeah. they recreated it. Like, and they used a real exactly. giraffe. <laughs> Yeah, they the exact recreations of some of these scenes is uh, astonishing to me. Like mm-hmm. I was like, if you put these two things side by side, you would not know which one was which necessarily because it's been so faithfully recreated. Yeah. So they just they also like were very considerate about what to keep as well mm-hmm. is what I'm saying. Yeah to kind of expand on what you were saying the visuals and the game like the way they recreated the gameplay was something that I had notes on because especially in the early episodes there are like these really suspenseful scenes where you are hiding from the infected and you're like trying to reload your gun I mentioned this in episodes past but Mm -hmm. um, the the like stress that you feel when you're trying to like reload your gun in the game is insane like 
and to feel like the clicker, like moving up on you. So good. 10 out of 10. Also one moment where I was like, oh fuck, they nailed that is when Henry gets bit there's like a whole sequence where Joel is up in a house and he's sniping from the house. And that's like iconic to me is like watching through the scope as Joel's like viewing the scene and fighting the zombies that are trying to attack like Ellie and Henry. And Mm -hmm. oh my God, they just really nailed that. It translated so well and it was intense and terrifying and... I just was like on the edge of my seat the same way I would be if I was playing it in a video game. And that's so hard to recapitulate and they just fucking nailed it. Mm -hmm. Another highlight for me was the casting. Mm. Um, I I mean, a lot of people were super pleased with the selection of Pedro Pascal to play Joel. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think a lot of people were interested in Bella Ramsey as Ellie as well. Um, since she had such a strong role on Game of Thrones mm-hmm. as the Queen of Bear Island. Um, and people know Pedro Pascal from a lot of places like Game of Thrones and The Mandalorian. And I think um, they both executed their roles really well. They had really good chemistry together, but they also like definitely seemed to grasp the essence of those characters. Mm-hmm. And... Um, hold on to those essences across different, um, scenarios. And I thought that the casting was really successful for me. I absolutely agree with that. My last highlight that I have is that I really enjoyed that they increased the, like, salience of the emotional moments so much. Yeah, definitely. Um, like episode three, I was so traumatized. I wanted to turn it off. I was like non-functional and uh-huh. just fucking broken. But also like Henry and Sam and their whole thing. Oh, I said when Henry gets bit. I meant when Sam gets bit. Oh, I Sam's the meant. younger yeah. one. Sorry for anyone uh, who's angry at me right now. <laughs> I know I made a mistake. But also like I think that the scene where they're talking and Sam's like, I'm scared to Ellie and like they're writing back and forth and Ellie like tries to inoculate him with her blood. And Uh. it's just like fucking devastating. It's so sad, but like you don't get that in the game. Like that's not a scene that happens and it works so well and it's so emotional and you're just devastated because you know what's going to happen. It's so sad. Mm -hmm. Um, also, I thought that the way they executed Left Behind was so good. Uh, that was the episode where you, like, flashback to Ellie's past and when she got yeah. bit. That was DLC. And basically, we, like, played through the whole f- game and then we went back and did Left Behind after the fact. But mm-hmm. I think that seeing it in sequence between when Joel gets hurt and when you start interacting with David is very good. I think that it just, it just works so well and that they amped up the emotional aspects of that very, very well. And I just really enjoyed that. But yeah, I just think that they really 
made the emotional moments very, very good. The scene with David chasing after Ellie in the like burning building was very good, Mm -hmm. very effective. Um, I was on the edge of my seat for that, but, and the moment of like Joel hugging her after that, um, Mm -hmm. was really powerful as well. But yeah, the emotional moments were there and they were coming for you and they did not care. They were taking no prisoners. So I have two episodes that I selected as my favorites out of the 10. Um, do you have a couple that stood out to you as well? Not really. Okay. Um, then I'll just talk about mine. Mm-hmm. My two favorites, first of all, episode three, <laughs> that one with Bill and Frank. Mm-hmm. Um, where we like totally went off book essentially and like really filled out the story of Bill and Frank based on like a smallish amount of information from the game. Mm-hmm. It was just incredible. I mean, they couldn't have casted Bill better. I mean, Nick Offerman is forever the the best choice for anyone <laughs> with libertarian inclinations. <laughs> he just nails it every time. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just such a, uh, in, intensely emotional, well-crafted, well-paced, self-contained love story that focused completely on what happens when you go past surviving, like how are these people living? Mm-hmm. And that's something that a lot of, you know, post-apocalyptic media never really gets to. And I know that's where some people have a disconnect with that genre. And so I feel like if you've had that criticism of this genre before, like definitely check out the series and definitely check out episode three because it completely answers that question of like, how, how are people actually living once they're done or once they're like basically surpassed surviving. And it just had incredibly emotional depictions of aging with dignity and mutual respect and love. And just that stuff that like really gets me like stuff with aging with dignity and you know, coming to the end of your life on your own terms is just such a powerful, a powerful concept. And the way they executed it was lovely. Mm-hmm. And I, I just can't believe they created such an emotional impact with such a small window of time mm-hmm. with people we had never met before. It's it's an immense achievement, episode three. And it took me not as long as it took you to recover from it, but I mean, my turnover rate for that type of thing it usually is metabolized much faster. So for me to like be out down for the count for the rest of the day means it was a massive impact. Yeah. So wow, incredible episode. And then my other favorite episode was episode nine. This is the one with David's camp where Mm -hmm. there's like a big showdown between Ellie and David and um, Joel gets basically reactivated. (laughs) And (laughs) yeah, 
He with one dose is, of penicillin. <laughs> one dose of penicillin. He's, he's back in the go. game. And wow, he's really back, baby. <laughs> he's doing his thing. You better watch out. I love how weird and creepy David is. I love just finding out the weird shit they're doing in, at his place mm-hmm. and love watching him try to emotionally manipulate Ellie and it just um it's kind of like a return to more action beats mm-hmm. after a relatively mellow amount of time um and I just really liked seeing them kind of like Ellie and Joel cohere as like a ass kicking team like mm-hmm. they really demonstrated their their potential to just be like total fucking badasses out there and just love seeing that proof of concept (laughs) finally working together you know what i mean yeah and bonding yeah just david being a real fucking creep yeah that guy sucks that episode was really good i like that Mm -hmm. i like them all though i think there wasn't one that i was like oh that wasn't faithful or interesting like i just I really like them all. Please make more television like this. <laughs> yeah, I'm really pleased that it seems like across the board, for the most part, people were really happy with the adaptation. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a, an incredible achievement because there was already so much emotional investment in the series because, I mean, there, it just has like a ton. The game has a ton of fans who are really invested in the characters and the story and i think everyone involved in the show like really did those people justice by you know keeping what was important and giving them even more and expanding on the emotional elements like you said yeah and just making it like a fully realized show so i'm really happy that it seems like a resounding success yeah, I'm really excited to see what they end up doing with the second game in the second season because right. and how that will be received. I think it will be very, very good. However, the second game was a lot more divisive and right. people were angry <laughs> in the second game about choices that were made. And I'm really interested in seeing how people react to those choices and what they'll expand upon in in the second season because I think it'll be really solid again but there's just a lot to unpack there yeah and I think it's interesting because originally it seemed like it was going to be season one is game one and season two is game two Uh but now it sounds more like season two will be part of game two and then there will be a season three that will be another part of game two that makes which sense. might make more sense in terms of how the story is divided yeah so i'm i'm perfectly pleased for them to shape it around the story rather than like some type of strict division just because um it's two games you know well, there's like a major like shift that people right. really didn't like in the second mm-hmm. game. There's um, like a natural division point. Yeah. But I think that that's probably what, what we'll do. Yeah. But the second game is so good. Like people really had opinions and listen, everyone's entitled to their opinion, but they made a fucking good game. The mm-hmm. second game is so good. Yeah. And I think the, like the controversy 
is in service of making a game that's more thought provoking. Mm -hmm. And I mean, who doesn't want that in their storytelling? Like that's the fucking point of why we're watching this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) You know? Yeah. And I think it shows that like not everyone is good or bad. Mm -hmm. That's what we're seeing in Joel. Like Joel is a good, good guy. He's the main character, but he's also like, a kind of fucking bad guy that kills yeah. a lot of fucking people. And yeah. like it shows this everyone kind of sucks in this world. And that's the world that has been created. So people are a product of this like environment and people are complex and you can't just hate them because you've been told to hate them. Like mm-hmm. I think it's much more interesting to see the other side of the coin. So yeah. Great yeah, I'm optimistic. Absolutely. And plus, I just like really enjoyed watching Pedro Pascal go on the pu- publicity tour for this <laughs> season. I feel like I didn't have like a good sense of him like as an actor before. Like I had only seen him in character in mm-hmm. shows. And now that I've seen him like as himself out in the world, I'm just like, this guy seems like so fun and <laughs> nice and just high spirited. Mm-hmm. I love every interview that I see him in. Yeah. He had like a great episode of Hot Ones. I <laughs> highly recommend it. He's like, he's incredible. Like yeah. this guy, he seems like a great hang, like mm-hmm. very funny very cool Uh, i'm happy like i feel like i got to know him better yeah (laughs) after this yeah he seems very wholesome yeah that's all i got did you have anything else that you wanted to bring up no those are those are all my thoughts like good job everyone (laughs) keep going you did a great job it lived up to the hype it did which was like such a tall order and like stick to your guns for the next seasons like mm-hmm. make a good show you know? yeah yeah well go watch the last of us and then go queue up the two picks for summer movie club us is available on hulu and you can rent jaws it looks like for four dollars so okay Support yeah, I was afraid jobs. of that. Mm-hmm. It used to be on HBO. Yeah, and it used to be on like Netflix before that. It just doesn't have a home right now. Boo. Lots of cool things to check out. And happy summer, everybody. Get outside, connect with the grass, <laughs> go sit on the ground. It's yeah. great. Put on some bug spray first. Don't get bit by bugs. But yeah, we'll see you here next week. Bye, everybody. Bye. Thanks for joining us this week on Friend Diagram. Thank you to Tyler Seek for the creation of our intro and outro music. Did you take any of our recommendations? Have any thoughts on the show? Let us know at frienddiagrampod at gmail.com and we might read your email on a future episode. If you can, please take a moment to rate and review the show on your podcast app of choice. And we'll see you back here, same place, next week. Bye for now.